that's a growler. Hello, and welcome to NeverEnding Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and please organize the movie The NeverEnding Story. I'm Thomas Howitt. And I'm Tierney Steele. Today, we are talking about Minute 7 of The NeverEnding Story. Minute 7 starts with books, books, and more books. And it ends with Bastian admitting that he's running away from some kids from school. So, speaking of books, books, and more books, my first thing I want to mention that we haven't really gone over yet is Bastion's complete name. Did we talk about we didn't talk about that, did we? I haven't read the book in a while, uh, but I was looking up. I love the first sentence of the Wikipedia about what uh, sort of boy Bastion is, and it uses his full name. His full name is great. It's Bastion Balthazar Books, but it's spelled B-U-X. And you blew my mind earlier by telling me <laughs> that I, because I was just like, yeah, this is such a cool name. Balthian, uh, Bastian Balthasar Bucks is an awesome name. And it like, is. No, for no, the no. Yeah, yeah. I, I can only blame new Star Wars. I just got really excited and I was like, oh, Hux has a cousin. Bastian, much nicer guy. Uh, yeah, no, it's pronounced books. <laughs> if we watch the minute pan in, we get a pile of books, Bastion slowly walking around them, and an introduction to a brand new character here. Tierney, what are your thoughts? I, I have a feeling you have some strong thoughts here. Well, I have some strong good thoughts and some strong bad thoughts. So I'll start with the good. This is a fantastic introduction to this character. I absolutely adore that we meet the bookseller. He peers around his giant chair, and it is just... It's such a good introduction. Like, it's just such a meaty, you know, they talk about actors chewing up the scenery with lines. But he manages to do it just with that look. Yes. If you listen to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, <laughs> Janae actually comments on how wonderful these wingback chairs are to read in. Mm -hmm. And I thought it odd that I listened to that today. And then here I am recording a minute where we see a uh, avid reader in a wingback chair. It's perfect. It's so great. I, I do have to say, though, you know, you take the good, you take the bad. Get that pipe away from the rare volumes. <laughs> He's surrounded by these rare books, some of which have to be one of a kind, and he's smoking a pipe. It's driving me nuts. Forget it was a different age. No, forget the flammability. Just the smoke is an issue. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did have a note for this minute. What do you think this bookstore smells like? To be fair, I bet it smells absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that that's, that pipe tobacco with the old book smells mm -hmm. and a little bit of dust. Oh, if you ever... So I don't know how common this is outside of librarians, but there is a documentary. Shoot, I, if I can find the title of it, I will put it in the show notes. It is about book preservation but they interview librarians at the new york public library and they're talking about the books crumbling and that smell that wonderful book smell is books dying and one of them actually takes a book from the studies and crumples the page the page just disintegrates in his hand on camera and that's what i i saw that movie that documentary in 
multiple classes when I went to library school. I'm and sure it broke everybody's heart as it happened. Oh, it's absolutely. And, and he rips the book and uh, multiple of us in, actually gave a little <gasps> gasp when he did it, <laughs> even though you kind of see it coming, like, you know, and you think you're braced for it. And then he does it. And you're like, nope, nope, not okay. Not okay. But the, yeah, the, the wonderful book smell that I absolutely adore and we all do is actually your book dying in your hands. Mm. Happy Wednesday, folks. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why I tend to love the smell of books from the, I, I say the 70s the most. I mean, late 60s through late 80s, really. Okay. Th those tend to be the books that, and that's probably because that was the most books that I was around growing up. But that to me is the best combination because it depends on what the paper's made of, what glue is used, and things right. like These that. The, gone it, are the days of horse glue, right? It all, yeah, it, it, it all changes what the book smells like. And so most people that are super into it have a favorite era or a favorite type of book or smell and I really love like hard cheap hard covers from the 70s now I think have the best smell <laughs> all right so as, as we pan around and we get this view of you're like let's please talk about the movie <laughs> <laughs> um, we have this new character mm -hmm. he is not named in the movie mm -mm. but we do get a close picture of his name as Bastion, as the camera pans around on Bastion, we see in the background the bookstore's name, and it says E A N D R, E A N D E R. Mm -hmm. And if you've read the book or done a little bit of research like I have, <laughs> you find out that his name is Carl Conrad Coriander. Now, Such a good name. Yes. What's interesting to me about this is that. We now have two characters whose names are three, three word alliterations. Um, mm. and I tried finding a reason that, um, Andy might have done this, or actually maybe Andy didn't do this because in German maybe it doesn't translate the same, but I thought it was interesting that we chose to alliterate both of their names. And I think that falls in really strongly with my theory that Coriander is part of this whole Neverending Saga, and, and he knows what's going on. Coriander's and he knows he's story. here for a reason. He He's here to make sure that Bastion takes this journey. Thomas Howitz is part of the Neverending Story. <laughs> True, we are all part of the Neverending yes. Story, because now having viewed it, we've experienced <laughs> the story and we've become part of it. Let's get meta. I feel like the alliteration has to be on purpose, regardless of language. Because it's too much of a coincidence. And also the fact that Bastian's last name is Books is too good. I feel like that is something that when you were adapting the book into another language, you would keep that joke. Like you would you would adapt it so that that joke still worked. You would change it to make it work in the new language. In fact, speaking of that joke, I believe in the book, this is actually where it gets called out that his last name is pronounced the same as the books in the store. <laughs> So and not like bad guys from Star Wars. <laughs> General Hux. Whoops! Small details. Small details. I just love that that didn't even occur to me. I was so wrapped up in the coolness of the alliteration, and you were just like, "You, you're kidding me, right?" <laughs> I think you thought I was doing a bit, and I, I really genuinely was not. 
I think I was just surprised because when we first started this journey, you said you had read the book and I was going to count on you for that knowledge. I'm so sorry to disappoint you and all our <laughs> listeners. Uh, no, I, I have read the book. I've read the book multiple times. It just, it'd been long enough that it didn't even occur to me. Right. I did not remember the, the, the real life parts of the book did not stick out in my memory the same way a lot of the Fantasia stuff did. And I wonder if that's because I was surprised by more of the Fantasia stuff when I was reading. Cause I didn't read the book until I was much older until I was at least in high school, if not college. And I did not realize that half the book isn't even this movie. This movie is only the first half of the book. Correct. And so I think I was so wrapped up in new information that that's what sticks out in my mind. That's what I remember more. I could definitely see that. But that doesn't change. Oh, speaking of things that I missed out on, the bookseller tells Bastian the video arcade is down the street. And I missed out on the golden age of video games. Oh, it was amazing. Now, this is where my knowledge comes in. (laughs) I am a through-and-through video game geek. And I can remember as a child being far too young to do so, but going to the arcade by myself and watching amazing games like, oh, gosh, what were some of the games? Dragon's Lair. I remember when that came out. You'd see people people playing Pac-Man all the time or... Tron, I remember that was a big one. Centipede, Donkey Kong. It was so amazing. And it was such a cultural icon, I guess is the word, at the time. You, that's where you went to hang out and to make friends. Aww. <laughs> Making friends. Was Shark Attack a real And I just rewatched Jaws the other night, and they were playing Shark Attack. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but who's to say that I remember every video game I saw? <laughs> I went up to an old style, a fun spot in New Hampshire it has a bunch of old classic video games. And I got super into, was it, I, I did pretty well at Asteroids and then Space Invaders. I was ruling for a while there. <laughs> and they also had the Atari Star Wars where you're sitting in the thing and it's yep. the trench run. I, yes. I was holding my own. It was very exciting stuff. You watch the movie enough times, you figure out how it's done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, there's only there's only two ways that can go. <laughs> you're either going to blow up right away or you're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah. Hearing stuff like that, I definitely remember standing in that arcade and the first time I saw Dragon's Lair and it was so much different than all the other games. It was a cartoon on the screen and just it blew my mind completely. My orthodontist had a video game in the <laughs> waiting room that I played a lot, but I don't even remember the name of it. It was a medieval fight. At some point, there was a dragon. I very rarely got there because I wasn't that good at it, and half the time, I couldn't convince my mom to give me the quarter. So No, I even remember that as a smaller child, when I was, I was five, mm-hmm. we lived upstairs from a convenience store, and down in that convenience store, they had Donkey Kong. And I remember Ooh. my brother came to visit one time and took me down there and he was showing me how good he was at the game and stuff like that. And that was just a small, small convenience store. So they were wow. they were definitely a, a big thing. And if you wanted to make money, you threw one of those machines in your store and kids would stop by and just dump quarters like crazy. <laughs> it's 
like uh, Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Where'd you learn to shoot? 7-Eleven, kid. <laughs> exactly. Wow. I, I do have to... I'll tie... Well, this is going back a little bit, but because I'm about to tell you one of my favorite quotes, and so I have a feeling I'm going to get a little distracted. Uh, through... So the bookseller is sitting in his big chair at a desk, also covered in books, reading. And there's a window over his desk into another room that I assume is more of the bookstore. On the wall, I recognize those prints. The Scottish tartans and outfits. I'm 90% sure they are some sort of British Isles and it's showing off the different, like, kilts or uniforms or something like that. It's it's one of those where you see something and you know you've seen that, but you can't come up with the context for it. But I know I have seen those prints before. Now, I'm hoping I can count on that same knowledge in a little bit because I don't know if it's this minute, but I have another question about a picture coming up. Uh-oh. <laughs> now now I have some pressure. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure that I pointed that out because speaking of video games, we are now on to my favorite quote. I don't know, actually, if it's my favorite quote of this movie, but it is definitely my favorite quote of this minute. Okay. The And I'm not going to do it quite as much justice. I really recommend watching this movie and just em enjoying the eyebrows on the man as he re reads this line. Because <laughs> he says, the video, video arcade is just down the street. Here, we just sell small rectangular objects. They're called books. They require a little effort on your part and make no beep, 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 beeps. On your way, please. <laughs> His little arcade noises are so great. Beep, 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 beep. He has no faith in today's youth at all. He just <laughs> believes that all these kids are are products of the machines they sit in front of. And oddly enough, that's where we are again today. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, what did you just describe? All the kids would go exactly. where the arcade games were. I wonder if that's where the three bullies ended up. When they were they supposed to be him. going to school, but we'll see. Yeah, but when they can't find him, do you think they just kept running and ended up in the arcade? That makes sense to me. And they probably got lost there for a while and were late to school. And right. they're big, tough bullies, so they don't care if they get yeah. a couple truancy notes. They don't even mind. They're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and Bastion's response is, I know books! And it's so great. Like, the librarian in me was just like... Yeah, fist in the air. I know books. <laughs> he gets a little bit whining here, I have to admit. He does. He does. <laughs> he he rattles off these books, and they're all wonderful books. I'm pretty sure I've at least got the stories down for all of them. I may not have read them all, but I've either seen movies or read the cliff notes on all these books. And after doing so, the concern that the old man had shifts like instantly. He's like, yes. oh. He's one of mine. <laughs> yes. Bastion gives the line that every library PhD thesis should include from now on. Uh, and he says he has 186 books at home. And apparently we're not counting comic books. Right. Because it's the 80s. So graphic novels, more, you know, because I was curious. So I happen to know because I just moved. And also last year I did the Marie Kondo stuff. I have just shy of 500 books in my house. Wow. But I was counting graphic novels. Like okay. I have Scott Pilgrim and Ghost and Bone and stuff like that. I don't feel like this bookseller would count those. So I would have to recount if I wanted to know how many 
books I had, the way he's counting. I used to collect books, but being in the military, I moved so often that it just, it just became such a chore to try to keep all my books in good condition. Mm-hmm. I moved across the country a couple of times. I moved to Italy for three years and it became too much of a burden trying to keep all my, my books, my book collection going. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've definitely moved into the digital age and I keep all my phone, all my books on my Kindle now. And <laughs> I do have quite a few there. <laughs> Pardon me? You just almost said all your books are on your phone. <laughs> well, they are technically because that's my Kindle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and mine is shared because I live with someone. So I'm not sure how many of these are just mine and how many are shared, but it was just shy of 500. That's and pretty impressive. They're they're pretty good. And that's that honestly is really well weeded. I went through, I was a military history major. And so I had a lot of books that I had held on to because it's like, oh, well, I needed this book. This book was important to me. And then I'm like, I don't like this. And I'm never going to read this again <laughs> now that I don't <laughs> have to. And so I cleared out a lot of that. I cleared out a lot of fiction where... You know, I, I'd read it once and I just was never going to read it again. I, I tried to only keep the repeaters. So we now have this Bastion standing in the in the book stacks now a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there is this book next to his head that is as large as his head. <laughs> what do you think this book could possibly be? This thing is enormous. There are great. I mean, if you want to nerd out looking at books in set dressings. I highly recommend. Uh, What really drives me nuts is I work in a law library, and I cannot tell you how many TV shows and movies use legal reporters as set dressing, and that is ridiculous because no one ever just has, you know, three random reporters. These are huge hundred-volume sets. Right. Uh, I wonder if those books, usually something that large would be a dictionary. I could see that. Something that fat would be a reference book. It wouldn't be a novel. The only other main TV show library that I can think of off the top of my head that had a really great look to it would be the Buffy the Vampire Slayer library <laughs> that Giles I, works in. And it's nowhere near Giles this impressive. How Giles get that collection development past the school board? <laughs> I don't know. He His little secret books, he had to have broken down a wall and like... <laughs> hidden them back there or something. I don't know how he got the vampire books in there. And yeah. The, the, the library on Buffy is great. I did always appreciate in, oh, was it in the OC, Sandy was a lawyer. His office wasn't too bad. In How I Met Your Mother, the character who was a lawyer had the actual books you would have used in law school. Okay. In some of the scenes. And I appreciated that because I was like, yes, those are the books lawyers have, <laughs> not the, you know, dry register tomes. Right. Uh, yeah, I really love, and behind his head on the left are the um, the big rolls of paper. You know, I was going to ask you about those. I was hoping you would have some information. Uh, uh, they're, they're big rolls of paper. <laughs> I th- think... That they're probably it's, what he uses to wrap the books in. Yeah, maybe? it's it's the brown um, packaging paper. Yeah, and then that thing that is kind of the L onto it would be what you would rip again, pull against to rip it. Exactly. So it'd be a nice straight line. Although I'm trying to figure out because there's one sitting on the shelf and that looks normal. I'm trying to figure out if that other one is attached to the shelf above it if it's hanging down from above. I've not that 
that feels like a lot of weight, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would need two of them right there, but... Yeah, because I would assume one of them is just, like, the extra roll that he doesn't use, but I'm just being distracted. I just yeah, realized, so... too, re-looking through this to see if I recognize anything, he still has a tuft of the whatever it is on his sleeve. He does. <laughs> he he, he thought he got so it all, hard. but... But, and I like I like small consistencies like that in the movies where okay you got a little dirty and you're not fu- you're not perfectly clean the next minute. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. But we get a really good look at Bastian. We get Bastian's reading list. So do you want me to read these off? Sure. Let's let's hear what he has. Bastian has read Treasure Island, Last of the Mohegans, The Wizard of Oz, The Lord of the Rings, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, and Tarzan. All great, great books. Yeah. I, I have to say, so there is a Return to Oz minute that I'm involved with, and there is a Lord of the Rings minute. So if you want to know more about those, go listen to those podcasts as well as this one. I definitely tried to read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I don't know that I finished it. I have this very perfect mental image of the book. But no memory of the story. I'll be honest. Most of my connections with it are more pop culture. Mm. Like I know about the story because of stuff like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. With Captain Nemo and finding out about the Nautilus there. And I just I just have pop culture knowledge. I know about it and enough sense that almost anything said in context of it, I can get pretty much. I definitely started it. And I owned the book. But you know when you have those things where you, you kind of remember not being into it, so you wonder if you finished it? Yep. And I know I finished Last of the Mohegans. I have to say, Last of the Mohegans was one of the books that took me the longest to read relative to it. Because it's just written in that, is it the seven? It, no, it's 1800 style. Just the sentence structure. It doesn't read the way your brain in 2000 whatever it was wants it to. And I had to renew it like three times from the library. I just really struggled with that one. But I wanted to read it because my favorite TV show of all time is MASH. And they reference Last of the Mohegans all the time. Yeah. And I felt determined to finally read the book, the only book Hawkeye's father ever read. And I hated it. (laughs) Yeah, I ended up liking the movie more than anything else. Oh, I gotta see the movie. I've seen clips, but... Not the whole now, thing. Now, Tarzan, I haven't read the original book, but I feel like I've seen so many different versions of Tarzan that I can almost tell you what's in the book. <laughs> this minute made me question. I just, it never occurred to me that there was a book of Tarzan. Oh, definitely. It's, Th- there must it's, be. Yeah. It's more the the Tarzan that focuses on the Greystoke portion of it, I believe, which is he's Tarzan Greystoke, and he was part of a big, you know, powerful family in england whereas you know like disney's tarzan doesn't exactly say what his heritage is from and stuff like that i think tarzan was the one i had the least experience with i read treasure island as an adult so it didn't really make much of an impact on me but i wasn't the target audience i read it because when i took a book preservation class we had to find a book with the right binding but cheap enough that we could take it apart and not worry if it didn't go back together right. We right. learned how to strip a book down, take apart the binding, re-sew the binding, re-glue the end papers, the whole nine yards. And I just so happened to find a cheap copy of Treasure Island. Oh, nice. So then I read it. because And destroyed it. <laughs> yes, I read it and then I destroyed it and then I fixed it. 
It was very exciting stuff. Um, somewhere I have my little bone folder and scalpel and my whole little pack with that, and my pH pen to test. And library school is great, guys. It's really fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I would say I know Treasure Island, Last of the Mohegans. Well, I've read them, they're fine. I know The Wizard of Oz and Lord of the Rings really well. They're some yes. of my favorite stories. Although I haven't, I've read The Wizard of Oz a couple times, you know, a few times, but not a ton. I know the movies better. I actually read the Return to Oz book more than I read the regular Oz book. Yeah. Well, and it's so weird because the movie Return to Oz mashes up two of the sequels. Right. It's actually both Marvelous Land of Oz and Ozma of Oz. So I've been trying to get my hands on both of those. But yeah, yeah I think Lord I read the the adaptation, the not, uh, the film adaptation of Return to Oz. Yeah. No, it's it's a good one. I'm telling you guys, kids' movies <laughs> in the '80s. Oh, perfection! I just did the little thing with my hands, like I'm making pasta or something but oh, nice it's great yeah Twenty Thousand leaks under the sea and tarzan are the ones i would say i know the least about and it's like you said between pop culture and everything you do get a sense of what these are it's not like i'm unaware of what the story of tarzan is right but bastian is very passionate he's uh, you're right he's a little whiny but the bookseller is into it he's definitely into it and you can see like i said before that his his concern totally shifts. He's no longer badgering Bastion. He now actually cares about what's going on with Bastion. Hey, why are you in here? What's <laughs> going on with you? What happened? And Bastion tells him that these bullies were chasing me. Yep. So if you're ever in a stressful situation and worried about impressing people, just start listing all the books you've ever read to them. I'm sure it will work in all situations. <laughs> Um, actually, it's really funny. I, I know I said I was going to do too many plugs, but I just think it's so perfect for this minute. I write a blog, uh, at onesteelsister.wordpress.com. And my current project is that last year I kept track of every book that I read. And this year I'm reviewing them one week at a time. Oh, wow. That's so impressive. I actually kind of am just reading off my reading list to the universe. Nice. So it, I, it, you don't have to read it in Bastion's whiny voice, but if this is the sort of thing you're interested in, check that out. I try and post every weekend, and if I do miss a weekend, I make it up the next week. I promise. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So the movie, this minute ends with um, Mr. Coriander asking Bastion why. And I think that's where it's going to leave us going into tomorrow. We're going to have to find out what exactly Bastion's reasoning or understanding is for why the bullies are chasing him. Yeah, I do love how quickly he switches in this minute. Like he comes in, you said in the last minute, he's out of breath. He's panicked. He just went in the first open door he could find. And the minute this guy questions his love of books, that is all he's thinking about. When when the guy asks him why you're, why you're in here and he admits that it's because he's being chased by bullies, you can almost see him deflate as he remembers. Mm -hmm. When he was talking about the books, he was wrapped up in that. That's all he was thinking about. And now, now he has to remember what's going on outside that That's door. just how books are for him, too. He can escape when he's in these books and then eventually he has to come back to reality and 
who knows? Maybe he'll find a book where he can escape and and really feel like he's there. I think that would be awesome for Bastion. I I think you might be right. <laughs> but that's another story. And it shall be told another time. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler. I'm keeping your bones.